You're tuned in now to Capsule Generation Podcast, the platform for creatives to share their experiences and the personalities behind the skill set. How does that sound, Julian? Sounds great, dude. <laughs> you got your host, Parks, and our guest today is Julian Nieva from Kid Studio, yes, a producer. Yes, sir. How's that introduction sound, man? It's great, man. It's great. <laughs> it's better than the last one. Better than the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Struggled, man. Yeah, yeah. It's better than the one I did yesterday. I won't lie. I'm like on this like small podcast tour but uh yeah yeah no dissing to like forky and, and those guys but that was a better intro oh appreciate it man julian's definitely been a, a friend of mine for multiple years i think we met uh way back in the day when we were in our 20s uh met each other playing basketball and all that stuff but through our history and our friendship we kind of started in the city kind of doing our creative initiatives and we got involved and then now we're here in 2019 and julian's a part of Producer of the studio called Kid Studio. Yes, sir. And of Common Good, right? Yeah, Common Good TV. Common yeah, Good it's TV. crazy. Like you, you listen and you, you, you watch these podcasts that um, they're always like, "Yo, like I known this guy since like whenever, whenever." Yeah. And sometimes you you watch him and you're like, "You guys actually probably just met like very recently," <laughs> but I'm sure these type of relationships happen often. You know, yeah. where whereas like now I'm in a position where I've known you for thirteen ish type years. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's been 13 years. Yeah. Holy, that's been a long time, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, like I was, I was, I think 18 or 19 when we first met at, uh, at uh, U of T in, in Saga. But yeah, but yeah, do the math, bro. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. And throughout that history, I think that's when we first started. I remember way back in the day, uh, we were just kind of going through the city and like, yo, you're trying to work or are you trying to do something? And then we're like, yo. Let's try to put something together. And that's kind of where we kicked off with our first kind of like tag team on the creative thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually remember it pretty vividly. Yeah. I picked you up in that old ass Lexus that I had at the time. Yeah. And uh, we were driving to go play ball. And yeah. then it was, yo, should we just do something and make things together? And yeah, we're just like, yeah, let's do it. And yeah. And then uh, one thing led to the next and things just started happening. But I guess you got to do something to do something first. Yeah. It's more of an idea and then executing on it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of learnings from that. I mean, pretty much still today too, in our roles that we're in that you just kind of go about and try to get the, do the best you can, but you're learning as you go. And the fear of failure is still always there, but at the same time, you just got to overcome it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think, Actually, I listened to like an interesting podcast today with uh, with Steve Kerr. Oh, no way. <laughs> and he was like, he was just talking about like Michael Jordan and how Michael Jordan's will to win outweighed his fear to lose. Yeah. And that's what made Michael Jordan the greatest uh, player that he's ever played with. Because, you know, in a situation where, you know, people are like searching for perfection in a game that's, imperfect by design michael jordan was always willing to take that shot and, yeah and to guard that guy and take on that next challenge knowing that you could fail you know what i mean yeah and um when i look back at the endeavors that we've had over the years it's we've kind of had that same attitude um at kid studio at wherever you know what i mean and it's for sure we could fuck up but yeah what what's the other option? Not doing it? Yeah. Like that's that's not really an option or anything that's in our vocabulary, in our behaviors, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And then like now you're in a position to call this a career though, right? Yeah, luckily. Yeah. I mean, um, it's kind of crazy the the ride we've been on over thirteen years, most importantly the last like five or six years. Um, where this momentum has built into a thing yeah. that I can call a career. Yeah. And you know it best. Um, we turned this thing into a, 
a career that was able to pay for a wedding. You know what I mean? Like yeah. some real life shit. And that was something that I never thought we'd be able to do off of just a bunch of kids from Mississauga um, trying to figure out a way to contribute to a culture that we all love and subscribe to. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because at that time being in Toronto, there wasn't really like that culture and like a creative kind of outbound for people. And like I said, to have a career and be profitable in it too. I think that's definitely probably one of the wildest things out of our dreams. We are just like, wow, I actually put something forward and then through consistency and hard work and luck, uh, things happen the way it happened. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there were always um, examples of people that have um, been successful at the things that we've, that we do yeah. and we've done. Um, but there was no roadmap for people like us. Yeah. You know, there was no, we, or, or there might've been, we just weren't exposed to those opportunities or, or to those paths that um, created like successful, like careers in, in, in film production, in um, graphic design and all of these things that we picked up over the years. We just weren't aware of it because the natural course of, our education from immigrant parents just didn't expose us to that. So, yeah. So we all just like fucking figured it out. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. So like rewinding it back, I think what year did you join kid that we started together? Five years ago, 2014. It was only 2014. Wow. That was right before the uh, King the fall video too. Right. Yeah. So just for history lesson, it was Kid Studio was run by Glenn, Michael, and Vince. So Vince was a producer and Glenn was the creative director. Still still are. Still are. Yeah. Uh, and then me and Julian joined. And then we were part of like the design part and then kind of being like a project manager. And from there, they just wrapped up shooting King of the, King of the Fall for the weekend. And that was kind of like their first big video project. And from there, kind of things took off. Yeah. But I mean, like take us back to the origins of that. Because at that point, Kid Studio was still focused on design, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy that... I don't even know how, how to read a design brief anymore <laughs> yeah. or like create one. But uh, yeah, Kid Studio uh, was a, I guess we, we still are in some capacity a design and film studio, but yeah. back then it was just graphic design, branding, website design mm-hmm. and developing. And Vince and I specialized in project management and account management and a lot of the processes of creative uh, administration yeah. and then, um, film production kind of just like became something after King of the fall where it's like, Oh shit, now we got to go figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was, the, that was the origin. And like I mentioned in, um, other settings, like in other panels and other, um, podcasts, I think the timing for all of this is like so beautiful and like, yeah, it was like some destiny shit because I, like our our culture and, and the people that we respect and work with are they're about like like you got to put in the work you know what I mean like yeah before and and the respect is everything and I'm I'm so grateful for the timing of this because if we had done those branding projects or brought those branding projects to Vince and Glenn after King the Fall video yeah it might've looked like we were dick riding. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, yo, 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 you guys are popping. Yo, do you want to work on this? <laughs> like that wasn't the case. Like we, we had these, we had like some successful projects before where they knew it was like, yo, these guys are here to work. Yeah. You know, it wasn't about um, like clout or, or any of these things. It was just like good people trying to do some good work together. Yeah. And um, I'm grateful for that timing because um you know, uh, sometimes perception is everything. And, yeah. you know, we were able to portray like a real version of us to some people that we really, really respected. And they were able to like include us in, in this like wild ride that we're on even to this day. Yeah. And what were some of the challenges? Obviously you guys are running a studio and not, I mean, experience is everything, but also network is huge. Mm-hmm. What was in terms of businesses or business challenges you guys faced? Obviously you guys just put out a crazy video for King of the Fall, which is like a staple and like, the visuals for Toronto and like all the extra parts of the scenes. And, and it's definitely captures that essence, but you know, you just put a video out and then what was like the six to 12 months in between before the next project or like, you know, 
I mean, it was hard trying to figure it out how to run a business, how to run a business with friends, how to run a business that operated with um, steady revenue, um, operated with the ability to, you know, pay your employees. Like, yeah, we were kids and we had bills to pay. For sure. Yeah. So a lot of those times were hard to like take something that was so um, amazing, which was this like Toronto, Queen Street, West culture. And essentially, how do you make a career off of that? For sure, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How, how does one uh, monetize something like that? And um, it was hard. And I don't think um, many people were able to do that in we were just lucky that the work that we were doing was like very, very high quality. Yeah. So we were able to, uh, you know, network with the right people. And, uh, you know, we were lucky to have the right opportunities to brand some people, to work on some music videos, to work on some branded content that not only were creatively good projects for the studio, but we're able to make a little bit of money. Yeah. And it was never about money for us. And it still isn't like, it's never just about money, Yeah, but it doesn't hurt to have a paycheck at the end of the day. You know for sure. I mean? so, yeah. Cause it gives you a little bit more freedom to, to do your thing and be a little more selective with the projects that you take on. So I think running the studio in such a way with a bunch of different personalities and to, to uh, monetize that was, I think the biggest challenge that, that that we had faced yeah um and um and yeah it's just like managing personalities like any other business right mm -hmm. so i think even to this day we've grown so much from five years ago to now our tastes and, and preferences have changed and uh us as people has changed too so we're always looking for new ways to uh you know do things better and be more efficient so so yeah like that's just probably the biggest thing yeah. And I think one of the interesting thing too, is cause I've seen your growth too. And like project management, being on point and being the most diligent, even though you're not at a creative capacity all the times you have great creative input. So then from there, project management, when did you know that being a producer was the role that for you that fit well? Actually to be, to be frank, it was, it was before this, it was, uh, when we were doing those uh, like docu projects for like Vice, and yeah. when I came on as an account manager at that at that agency that we worked at together, yeah, I didn't know the producer or account manager or account coordinator title was a thing. Yeah, I had always been pretty good at communicating with people and bringing people together and making people feel comfortable throughout anything that we were doing mm -hmm. for the most part, at least, yeah, <laughs> you know, like hit or miss, you know, sometimes like you run into some clients that just don't like your vibe and that's fine. You yeah. know, you, you happens, you figure it out. But, uh, you know, I was always like able to talk to people to, to mingle and to, you know, cultivate relationships. So when I found out that that's what account people do, or that's what producers do. They put together relationships and they mix them with a, like some organized, like administration duties. I was kind of blown away. I was like, fuck, I can this do that. This is a job, right? Yeah. Like I can do that. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I can, I can bang this that. up. Like yo, emails, like I'm kind of sick at emails, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I was surprised. And when the opportunity came, came about to produce, it was just about, okay, well, how do I apply my skill set to, uh, a job like that. Yeah. So it was about educating myself, asking questions from like key crew, like our, our cinematographer and the guys that do lighting and, and the, the guys that rig the lights and, you know, just talking to people and see how they prefer to be communicated with. Yeah. Um, and see what's a respectful way to not only just talk to people, but to empower them to, you know what I mean? Like, I think uh, that's also one of the biggest things I've learned throughout this this whole process is yeah. like I wasn't always the best version of myself, and yeah. I came off as like an asshole sometimes. And yeah. now it's uh, I'm I'm proud of like where I am as a, as a communicator, but that wasn't always the case, you know. Yeah, soft skills are very important. I find too, right? 
it's also speaking the right language and tone to a lot of people. And you're in a fast paced industry, budget's key. You know, there's a multiple variables you gotta have to manage and personalities for sure. And then you gotta deal with like the artists or clients and things of that nature. And yeah, then, yeah, exactly. And, and typically it's up to the producer or the account person or whoever uh, to have some tough conversations with yeah. the artist or the client that there are some things that might not go a hundred percent your way, or there's some realistic restrictions and limitations to what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. So you can't be scared of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're scared to have that conversation, then you might be in the wrong position. Um, you could be nervous, but you can't be scared. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you just got to prepare yourself and be uh prepared for the worst yeah <laughs> so so i think those are like really important things that i've learned throughout the years is just you know just making sure that you have the facts <laughs> <laughs> what was the biggest i mean you guys had momentum at that point after the king of the fall and like these projects you had when did you notice that there was a momentum that you guys hit when you hit your stride and you're like whoa this is like motion and getting into that kind of industry was like a reality and you guys are making an actual impact and affecting the culture itself right after king of the fall we actually had like pretty good traction locally yeah uh we worked with some great artists uh locally that you know garnered like a little bit of steam internationally like um magic jordan roy woods we got to work with Mm. um safe um and a bunch of other artists here locally that we we all love and respect yeah and we were kind of just like okay okay like we're doing this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we kind of had a thing going and then um, we got that call to do uh bounce back for big Sean yeah. from um, the creative director, uh, Mike Carson, who we all like really admired and respect. Yeah. You know, Mike Carson, you got to look him, look him up, look up his podcast. He's crazy. Come up. Yeah. 18 year old kid. He was part of like Kanye's like, rosewood movement you know what i mean so crazy so he's seen some shit like he was one of the guys doing watch the throne documentary oh no way i didn't know that yeah so, yeah. so when he hit us up and big sean was um a rapper that i was really into because yeah. uh that that was just like our era like i was hyped it's just like yo when we saw kids studio logo Beside the good music logo, Jeez. we're just like, fuck, that's crazy. Yeah. I remember because, that moment too. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, you, you put the kids studio logo beside um, any Canadian based logo. Yes. Those are still super proud moments. Yeah. But you never thought that we would be functioning outside of this uh, Canadian market. Yeah. Right. So I think the, my favorite moment um, out of that whole process was we were driving in the desert trying to get to set. I forget who was driving, but we were super hyped to get to set in the desert. That was the first day of shoot. I think it was day Maybe. two. I'm not sure which the yeah. order of the day was, but we were driving the set in the desert and we're fucking banging halal gang, <laughs> trap house, like fucking <laughs> like in the middle of desert where yeah. It's just a bunch of like Asian guys from Toronto who should have no business directing and producing this video for like a top tier artist for Big Sean and Metro Boomin. You know what I mean? His biggest single at that time to come out, right? Yeah, I think that's like his biggest hit. Yeah, to date. You know, I I don't know the numbers, but I know, I know that was like a huge moment, and I remember getting to set and seeing. what type of level we are on. And it, yeah. it, and we have a bunch of these memories and these moments where it feels like entourage, Yeah, yeah. you know, and that was one <laughs> of them. That was, that was one of those where it, like, this can't be life almost. It was surreal, right? Yeah. Just to be in that moment and just to collect yourself. And you're like, wow, you guys envisioned to work on like a top tier artist. And then you're here in yeah. California. For sure. Yeah. With a budget. Yeah, for sure. And I mean like the, that all came from, a top tier artist from Toronto yeah. the weekend and Lamar, uh, his creative director really giving us an opportunity to 
show off our assets yeah. and our creative skills to the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like without that look, there would have been no videos after there would have been no big shot. Yeah. So I'm saying because we are like, we had people that were within the industry from Toronto, from Canada that wanted to invest within the city. Yeah. Like, bro, we have, we have lives we have careers off of that shit. Yeah. So, so it's crazy. That's the craziest thing. And isn't it funny? I thought Carson DM'd Vince, right? That's how the communication started. Um, I'm not sure who DM'd. No, actually, I, Vince DM'd Mike Carson because Mike Carson put up like a, a post about he was looking for some creatives or some directors for a new project. Oh, okay. And okay. Vince hit him on the ones and was like, yo, yeah. what's going on? Like, this is us. And Mike Carson actually hit us back and was like, I just mentioned you guys to Sean yeah, because King LaFall is one of my favorite videos. Crazy. Like I'm pretty sure I have the email somewhere. <laughs> she was crazy. And then when we got the track, yeah, cause they have to watermark the tracks yeah, and yeah. stuff. And the beginning was like the Metro booming drop. Yeah. The and SIG then, on it. And then, and then it was like, this is for kids studio only. And we're like, holy shit. They, <laughs> that means they went out of their way to watermark it for us specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So if we leaked that shit, obviously they would know it was we definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was a game changer. And, um, it was a, an important moment for, uh, Glenn and Christo and even red our editor as, as creative. So really, flex on on this opportunity yeah you know really showcase what they're about right exactly yeah. shout out our um our la producer ryan Hahn from from hpla yes sir ryan he um the most toronto guy ever in the world just <laughs> how do we describe him right <laughs> just happens to be from la it's like a toronto kid who was born in la um yeah. but uh yeah, shout out all those guys, especially Ryan for for making that happen because taking the chance, right? Yeah. Honestly, it was timing again too. Yeah, like he'll 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 talk to you about how serendipitous that moment was for him because he was looking to produce for other people at that time too, and yeah. it just happened to hit him up. Stars aligned, right? Exactly. Yeah, and then from there, I mean, you guys definitely made the splash with Big uh, Big Sean bounce back. You guys, what were the next videos? Because I know you guys definitely hit a lot of high caliber artist, right? Cause it was like a trickle down effect where it just kind of made waves happen. Shows crazy actually. Cause right after bounce back was shot, we were actually just coloring bounce back. And we were, we were discussing internally like, yo, are we going to get another weekend video? Yeah. And then Lamar just happened to text Glenn on the ones like, yo, you guys trying to, you know, do this. And it was for a reminder. So yeah. we did bounce back reminder. And then we did a bunch of commercials like back to back to back to back to back. Like, yeah. Shit was crazy for a minute. It was like a wild ride. Yeah. To the point where we had to like split up. Like some guys had to go to LA. Some guys had to stay here, shoot multiple days there, shoot some days here. Like it was crazy. So we did reminder right after bounce back. Yeah. Actually, one thing I want to touch upon though, is that when you guys actually for videos, you have to submit treatments, right? Yeah. And one of those things, I remember a story you guys were mentioning how the treatment for bounce back, you guys submitted, they approved, they loved it. And at the end of the whole process, they're like, yo, you guys are the first, I believe to execute really on what you guys visioned or put out as a treatment, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where that language came from, but I don't, I don't think that's like necessarily true. Not first, but it's like you guys actually were able to uphold the quality of the treatment and actually execute on that, right? Yeah. I, again, I, I don't think that was like necessarily true because, yeah. bro, like at that time, we didn't really have that much like visual effects background. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we were like, yo, we're going to do this crazy shit. We're going to do this, this, and this. And we're figuring it out. Like we're getting really, really close but luckily, uh, Mike and Sean both agreed. They're like, yo, this is like, this is missing like a few things. Right. How do we make this better? And then we were able to like concoct a, a way to um, do another full shoot day here in Toronto. Yeah. And uh, we added in a bunch of shots. We added in one of the, we added in the girl dancing. Mm. We added in the, the, um, I think it was like a, a husky 
we added in like a few shots, extra B roll kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Some, some art shit, but, um, but yeah, like thank God for, for that extra time because everything was so fast and furious and we were trying to figure it out, but none of it like meshed together to, to the point of, where we felt that it was going to be impactful. I remember stressing the fuck out. Like <laughs> all these VFX shots are late and they're yeah. taking forever to upload. And then you finally got the video done. We submitted it. And then they're just like, yo, like it's cool, but could we make this better? Yeah. And thank God for that conversation. <laughs> yeah. I actually must've been broken telephone. I must've heard different, but yeah. speaking on that though, how do you deal with the budget constraints or dealing with like, okay, this is the right amount to spend on VFX, right amount to spend on this. You know what? How are you? How do you go about that? Because I mean, that is your role and respons- your responsibility, right? As a producer. Yeah, that and you know, managing timelines and yeah, all the personalities involved. Like, I'm on like email threads of like a thousand responses and people. Um, but uh, regarding budget, it's it's hard. It's hard to like take a look at a treatment and and just come up with a price. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, um, by now, like our experience has showed us, like we know what certain things cost. Yeah. So we know if a video is going to need four or five VFX shots and what that's going to cost, like, as opposed to never had done that before. Yeah. So a lot of it is like relationships too. And, and depending on your key vendors and your key crew and, a bunch of people that want to invest in you. Yeah. So say for example, like um, a lot of the, the earlier videos that we were doing was out of one coloring house. Yeah. And they were really helping us like every step of the way, giving us like top tier talent to color our videos. And they were giving us like really, really big discounts Yeah, because they knew once we started doing commercial work, they would be able to bill us full rate yeah. for the commercials mm. versus like a few dollars for music videos. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think like in terms of budget, just to answer your question, you never know what these things are going to cost until you ask, Yeah, you know, people that specialize in that thing, whether it's your cameras, your lighting, VFX, your wardrobe, costume design, locations, I rely on all of our key crew to tell me like, Hey, how much do these things cost? Is this realistic within the, the constraints of, of the resources that we have available? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes you got to fit a square into a circular hole. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just got to do it. It's a creative problem solving. Yeah. Yeah. Like bro, like that's going to cost 10 racks. Well, I have five, can we make this work? Can we and, talk, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you're respectful with, with people and they understand what you're trying to do, a lot of times like they'll help you out, but yeah. sometimes they'll just straight up say no. And both, both ways work, you yeah. know, like all you're asking for is um, transparency mm-hmm. in that conversation. You're going to help us or not. Yeah. If not, that's cool too. If you are going to help us, what does that number look like? Yeah. I, that's the thing I find too. Being in that kind of role where you're, you're behind the scenes, you have to kind of fine tune and problem solve a lot of times, right? You're running around, just trying to sort and solving problems. What are some of like the highlights so far with Kid Studio for you? I think personally, like the uh, working with Nike, like yeah, like I'm obviously like been like a really huge fan of the brand since I was um, like five or six years old or something, and I always felt like I wanted to work with the brand in some capacity. And, you know, we sat with Common Good, which is a commercial production house here in Toronto that also reps Kids Studio as a commercial entity. Um, And the first meeting that we had with an executive producer at Common Good was, yo, who are you guys trying to work with? Yeah. And I don't know if I spoke at a term, or if they were even asking me specifically, but I was like, yo, Nike. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, we got a brief to work on um, 
you know, a Nike basketball commercial yeah. for, for a crown league that used to happen here mm. uh, annually with, uh, you know, it was like a pro-am tournament. So I think that was a highlight for me. And then seeing behind the scenes of, okay, we know what music videos look like. Now we know what commercials look like a yeah. little bit, Yeah, you know? And uh, so that was one of the highlights. The other highlights is just, you know, being able to travel the world with, with these guys, you know, like yeah. with kids studio, just it's, we've gone to LA, we've gone to New York, we've gone to Japan. We've, you know, these guys have been able to do some amazing work and we've enjoyed every moment of it mm. together. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think, I think just uh, an accumulation of those things has like, it's, it's pretty easy to smile about all that shit in yeah. terms of like highlights. You know what I mean? Did you ever worry about the future though, while you're kind of going through like the ups and downs of a business and just trying to provide and like, you know, maintain a salary or like make money? Yeah. I mean like any startup or any um, small business or entrepreneurial venture will have its uh, monetary challenges. And there were a few times where we looked at the bank account and we said, yo, we can only get a bill this week. Yeah. It's kind of crazy though. <laughs> That's your reality, fucked. right? It's, yeah. It's so fucked. Like, like I'm almost like in tears of just like remembering those moments and, and where, where we are now. Yeah. And like, I mean, even that, a hundred dollars that week was a lot, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And, um, I think, um, the, the strength of the fucking blind belief of, that everyone had together was just, was just crazy yeah. like, to think back and just like, yo, this is what we're doing, bro. Like there's no there's, option. There's B. No, there's no plan B. There was yeah. never a fucking plan B Yeah, ever. This is just going to work. And it's uh, sustained us now. And obviously, I think everyone wants to make more money. Just to, That's just where we are in yeah. life. But uh, I think it'll come. Oh, and, for sure. Um, to survive and thrive up until this point is something that um, I'm really proud of. Yeah. You know? And in like hindsight, I mean, if you could tell your younger self any like notes or anything like tips, it would be the same thing. Just have that belief, right? That factor. And just keep going. Yeah, have that belief and don't fuck up your credit when you're 18, 19. <laughs> yeah, that's it. A very important lesson, man. Because you can you can ride it out on a bill a week when you have like good credit and you have access to like another 5K and on a visa. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you could do that. But if you fuck it up early and you know your fucking credit card is only 500, then you can only go so far off that shit. So. Do the math, kids. Yeah. So yeah. Sh shout out to... Uh, Financial literacy, if you can plan a little bit, you can definitely grind a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's an important thing you don't really learn about, the financial literacy of stuff and just trying to be an adult and do a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. No yeah. Doubt. Uh, what's your mindset going forward now with everything? Um, my mindset now is, it's actually crazy. Yeah. Um, do indulge, my friend. So, um, as you know, I got married. Congratulations, and, uh, once you. again. Thank yeah. you. Um, but... I was in Mallorca in Spain on our honeymoon and, you know, just like taking in the sights and looking around and it's this fucking beautiful little town in Spain. Yeah. And you start realizing that, you know, this life can really, it can really be what you make of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's always been my, my mind state, but I was reminded of it while I was over there just taking in, all of these different colors and textures and architecture and food and people and wine, all of that stuff was just so inspiring, right? So I started thinking and my mind was racing. I was just like, how do I get us to the next level? Yeah. Like what is, what's missing, you know? Mm. And I started thinking of different ideas, like different ventures of how to de develop more business for us as kids studio. How do I develop our directors as better creatives? How do I make more space for us producers to do creative things? And, you know, you, 
I don't have a master plan, but yeah. I know that I have all of this energy that will be um, will be used on, you know, getting us to the next level because we kind of figured out how to do what we do now. But uh, but I think there's much more, you know. Yeah. There's, there's a lot more, and the network that we have is uh, we're so lucky to have access to some people and some brands that that we love and appreciate. So we don't want to take that shit for granted. No, for sure. I think the opportunity is there. And I think when you truly believe in that whole notion of like, you can really make this life what you want it to be. That's a real powerful thing. And you just got to continue to remind yourself, right? And yeah. No move doubt. forward with that. What, what are some of the stuff? Like a lot of times I like to ask and inquire and pick people's brains about like, what does like family mean to you? I mean, outside of like working and all this stuff that you've been doing. I mean, family is same thing as work. It's what you make of it, mm -hmm. you know? Like, it's it's something that you look back on and it's something that could make you happy or it could make you sad no. at the same time. But you can also make your own family, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, throughout the years, I, I've been, uh, I've seen different friend groups and I've, I've seen, like, different versions of family. And uh, luckily, right now, we're just in a space where we are supported by friends that we call family. Mm. You know what I mean? And, um, and I think it's great. I think you need, I think you need friends and family to, uh, um, act as like different, uh, tools to like make you happy. Yeah. And not all friends and family will, uh, check off all those boxes. Mm. You know what I mean? Like some friends will be good to like, go play basketball with some friends are good to, are good to talk to. Yeah. Some friends are good to party with, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Not every single person is going to fulfill all of those things that make you happy. Like I don't go to, I don't go to Forky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go to Forky and ask him to um, break down my personal life. Yeah. I go to Forky cause I know that guy likes to party and yeah. he knows how to f have fun. I'll go to him if yeah. I, if I need to go out. Yeah. And the same thing I'll ask of like different friends. Like if I want to go play ball, I'll, I'll go hit like Darwin or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's just, and um, if you want, if you want family to mean something to you, then you'll, you'll make it a priority. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't have a big family, like direct family as in people that I'm related to, mm -hmm. but uh but yeah, it's nice to it's nice to look back and see where you started and and the people that have helped you throughout the years and and know that you are who you are because of your family. Yeah. Like <laughs> there are so many things that you learned without you being aware of uh that comes from your family, yeah. your parents and your family mostly. And um your awareness of those things and and that behavior is so important because you you kind of realize that you've made decisions throughout your life that um, were made for you essentially. Yeah. So, so family is super important and being aware of your dynamics and, and, and how those different relationships add up to you is uh, dictated upon like yourself and mm -hmm. you prioritize which ones are uh, make you happy or not. Yeah, no, for sure. I think an interesting question I always ask people is like, how do you deal with identity? You know what I mean? Like you're growing up, you're trying to do things, you're trying to trace goals, dreams, you're just trying to be yourself. But then there's always a question of identity, like going through your twenties and such. Right. Yeah. Actually I've, I've recently like battled with identity and mm -hmm. who I am as a person. I've kind of been, um, <coughs> um just coughed. Yeah. It's, okay. <laughs> it's all good. Um, <laughs> My nickname growing up, and to this day, some people call me Jolly. Yeah. You know? Um, and my mom said that she gave me that nickname because she was happy when she gave birth to me. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I would be, like, throughout my life, I'd be, like, tormented by this nickname. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, because there was just, like, always a pressure upon me to, uh, you know, be a source of happiness for other people. Uh -huh. And I felt like I was in service. And to this day, like I'm a million percent so happy that I am the person that I am. Yeah. But all, a lot of that came from 
um, like different things of, of just coping with, with that one idea of being a source of happiness for other people. Yeah. So I found myself like being in service of other people to my demise in a lot of cases. So that would also include like, I always felt like I needed to be like the life of the party and shit. Yeah. Fucking cop bottles and, (laughs) you know, just be like very generous with who I am and, and the resources that I had available because I thought that's what made other people happy. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, I don't know if you you guys remember that meme where it's like Kawhi, he's sitting in the back seat and it's like everyone asks what it do, baby. Yeah. But they never yeah. ask how you be, baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like or how are that fucking meme is. And that's and like when I saw that meme, I was like, oh shit. Hey, at home. Shit got me. Yeah. You know, so, so sure. I think uh I battled with that, but I'm also super happy that I've become aware of a lot of these things and a lot of these happy, these, these, these things that have made me happy throughout my life. Yeah. And also been aware of like some of these pain points that I've been trying to like resolve internally as, you know, just somebody that's trying to figure it out. Yeah. And what is kind of those steps you kind of like had to have those outlets and just kind of take a step back. Right. And really kind of analyze and have someone give their input without an unbiased opinion. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, I think it's it's pretty dope that um, our society is starting to really champion like mental health and like the the um, the battles that we all go through. Yeah. And uh, it's dope to see that people are are able to go seek professional help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, um, for example. When you got fucked up last week. Oh, yeah. For listeners that don't know. <laughs> when you got fucked up last week and, you know, we had we had worries about your health. Yeah. We didn't take you to a fucking coffee shop. You know what I mean? We took you to see medical professionals. Yeah. You don't take your car to fucking um, downtown camera and ask them to check your engine. Look at cameras. You know what I mean. They yeah. can fix a camera, but they probably can't fix your car. So I think now that we're starting to understand like professional help and seeking um, therapy in whatever regards to whatever yeah. like version of therapy that you that, that that you feel like you need is becoming less of a uh, a stigmatized notion. Like it's becoming more normal amongst like professionals. And um, kudos to those companies that provide like benefits to uh, have their employees like really take advantage of some of the professional help that you can get. But, but yeah, I think it's super important that uh, you know you you sit back and you look at uh, look at yourself with some people. It might be friends, it might be family too, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, you know, sometimes talking is like the best thing that you can do. Yeah, for sure. I think reflection and all that. I think you summed it up pretty nicely. And then kind of all those notes. And like that kind of leads into what's your definition of happiness though, man? Fuck bro. I think it's crazy for me. Yeah. Um, The last like few years have been the happiest years of my life. You know what I mean? That's fucking beautiful. There's been, there's been some pain, obviously there's obviously been some like ups and ups and downs, but you start realizing you do things that make you happy. You're just going to be happier. You know, it's like that fucking simple. Mm -hmm. So my definition of happiness is, is like um, an equation of activities and, and, um, and people and feelings and all of those things combined equals happiness to me. So it's it's this like weird chemical equation that I can look back on like friends, um, my wife, <laughs> um, playing basketball, uh, going out for dinner, eating some crazy food with friends and family. And, you know, all of these things equals happiness to me and working a job that just um, empowers me to be like, 
this happy person too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that I don't go into my job thinking that um, I can't be who I am. Yeah. You know, I go into my fucking office wearing a Vince Carter Jersey, bro. <laughs> How many people like have that luxury? Yeah. Carter effect. Exactly. Yeah. Man. Actual. And like the Jersey's like, 2001 authentic so you know some some other some other people wouldn't understand that but it's been great like yeah and shout out to uh glenn vince and christo and and yourself even because thank you bro you guys really empowered me to be myself yeah and you guys never tried to like box me in and be like yo this is this is what cool is yeah no they were just like yo you're cool like just just be you be that you yeah. know what i mean so I was never scared to be myself. And, you know, sometimes it was to my demise. But if people don't fuck with me, then that's cool, too. Like, no. I don't like everybody, but I can still respect them. No, for sure. Yeah, that's an interesting point, too. And I think, like, as a young adult trying to conform and fit into it, but it's also just finding purpose, right? Do you feel like you found your purpose in, like, what you're doing in your life? I think that's, like, a crazy question. Yeah. My purpose in life is... I could ask those crazy ones though yeah, too. I think my purpose in, in in life is you know, just enjoying this like state of happiness. Yeah. You know, in whatever it is that we do, like in all of the challenges that we face, whether it's like work or or friends or family or, or whatever. But you gotta enjoy it, you know? Yeah. And my purpose is I'm trying to share that with as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm starting out with a very grassroots way with like, you know, just sharing it amongst like the people that I interact with. But um, hopefully there's a bigger purpose for me outside of that, that I can, I can share this kind of energy with more people. Yeah. But uh, for now I'll, I'll, uh, I'll leave that through sharing kids studios version of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and people do find a lot of joy out of our story and and uh, the work that we do. And I'm just so happy that I can share some of that knowledge and experience with kids that, uh, you know, really appreciate what we've done throughout the years. Yeah, no, for sure. And then last question, or second last question. Where do you see the culture in Toronto going forward? I mean, we're at a stage point. We've seen a lot of things happen throughout, and I think the stage is big now too, but musically and all that. Where do you see all that going? I think it's, I think we're in like the glory and golden era of mm. culture here in Toronto. I, I, and I mean that as a, a generalization of the Raptors just won a championship. Crazy. We have some of the biggest musical artists in the world from Toronto, from Canada. Yeah. You know? in the weekend and Drake and I know Bieber is not from Toronto or, you know, there's just all of these top tier artists that are from this country yeah. um, that, you know, frequent to Toronto. And then we have this crazy art scene uh, that exists here. And um, that also includes like film, like film is like a crazy scene here. When you, when you think about some of your favorite movies, mm -hmm they've premiered here at TIFF. You know what I mean? So I think when you look at all of these things and you look at food and you look at, you look at art and you look at shopping and, and, and fashion and all of these different elements of what you call this fucking culture that we're all a part of. Yeah. And every single one of those categories, you're like, well, shit, it's kind of booming. <laughs> yeah. Know? And then you have that next generation under it. Yeah. That's seeing like, oh shit, they, they were able to do that. Yeah. So I could do that and I can, I can go further. You know what I mean? So it, it's exciting to, to have a bunch of these successful proof of concept artists, movies, restaurants, uh, fashion designers all come from this like little hub here, mm -hmm. but then that's going to inspire way more people than our previous, previous generation. Yeah. It's an exciting time. Can't wait to see it though. So we'll see who's next. Yeah. And uh, last question is thoughts on the Raptors season this year. Yo, actually, what's our record right now? I don't even know, but uh, 
It's like four and two. Like we lost against Boston and uh, Milwaukee, right? Milwaukee. Yeah. Okay. Boston and Milwaukee, both games, Siakam didn't play well. Mm. Right? That guy's got to figure out how to not foul. Because he fouled out both games, bro. Did he? Yeah. yeah both games. After the championship thing, I couldn't watch them again, man. But um, yeah, the season's going to be exciting. You got like really exciting pieces and... I like I like what they've done with uh, the culture that they've put together yeah. uh, within the Raptors organization. And you have fucking smart people working in that organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to see what, what happens. But, I mean, we can all be, like, nitpicky with uh, MLSE and, and the Raptors organization. But I'm just so happy that we got to witness a fucking championship in our lifetime. In our lifetime. <laughs> Can you imagine that? We had that conversation after we lost Carter and McGrady. We're like, yeah, we're, yeah. Not, we're not getting anywhere. Yeah. Next yeah. thing you know, right? And it's crazy. Like right now, all the press is about, it's like Kawhi leaving, whatever, whatever, all this stuff. But yo, like if you look at that team, yes, Kawhi did a lot of that stuff. But if Fred Van Vliet didn't go flamethrower, yeah. they wouldn't have won. And he's been on that team. He was like on our G League team. You know what I mean? If Kyle Lowry didn't score 21 points in the first half, we wouldn't have won. If we had gone to game seven with the with the Warriors, you never know, bro. Yeah. So I think uh I think a lot of credit needs to be um given to like those main core pieces that are still with the team. Yeah. Obviously Kawhi did his thing, but it's a fucking team sport, bro. Hundred <laughs> percent. You know. Yeah. So not quite didn't score all a hundred of those points. No, for sure. Other guys had to chip in, so I think uh, the team's gonna be all right, and I'm excited for the future because once we get Giannis, bro, <laughs> shit's gonna. Be- you said it here first. We're about to get Giannis. Shit's gonna be crazy. All right, man. Appreciate it for you coming on board, man. It was a great episode. Let's appreciate it, it, man. Yeah, Thank man. you, bro. Thank you. <laughs>